name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Thank you for what you did for me. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. In the book of St. Matthew, chapter 24. St. Matthew, chapter 24. Thank you, Lord. Begin reading at verse 36 and reading through 44. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So also will, be, will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. I want to read that again because we don't work in the fields anymore. Two men will be on their job. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be working in the office. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But you know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken in two. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. A thought for today is, Jesus is coming again. How are you preparing? How are you preparing? Ask the person standing next to your neighbor. Jesus is coming again. How are you preparing? Amen. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word and the things that you sent your word to. So we thank you for sending your word to us today and for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. Have your way now. Grant a fresh anointing of your spirit upon me that I might minister under your anointing and upon your people that they will hear and receive under your anointing so that yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed and will be prepared when you come again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. When you, when you look in the Gospels, you look in the book of Acts, and even in the epistles, and the book of Revelations, you see that the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is taught. Amen. Throughout the New Testament, after uh, even before Jesus is crucified, he talks about the day of the Lord. As the Old Testament talked about the day of the Lord. The Old Testament prophesied his first coming, and then there are even prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of the day of judgment. 
But the New Testament specifically prophesies uh, his second coming. Tells us that not only will he come, he's coming again. Uh, he, he had already come in the New Testament. Uh, and in the book of Acts, as he has ascended, as he's ascended into heaven, uh, has ascended into heaven, and the disciples are standing there looking and gazing up into the heavens, and the angel speaks to them and said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? For the same Jesus that you see taken up from you shall so come again in like manner. So we read the Bible and we see that the Bible teaches us that Christ not only came in birth for salvation first time, but he comes again in judgment. We talk about Advent. This is the, called the Advent season. Most liturgical churches will deal more specifically with the Advent season than those of us who are of a freer uh, uh, reformation, a frame of mind. But the Advent deals with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and when, you, when you study Advent, when you look at Advent, and the reason that, that, that this season uh, began to be focused on was that it, it started for us in 2018, it starts today, first Sunday in December, and it, 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 it points us to the celebration of the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we, we celebrate his birth, his first coming, all right? But if we're not careful, we'll miss the meaning of Advent because Advent was not so much about celebration as it was about preparation. Advent is about preparation. Now, because most of us grew up in churches that didn't focus on this, and then some people probably grew up in churches that focused on it, and the world took their attention away from it, we don't think in terms of this season of the year as preparation. We focus on the celebration of Christmas. You know, but we don't think in terms of the spiritual preparation that the early church fathers knew was important because Christ had already come. So if you're looking for him to come again, the important thing is to be prepared. Be prepared, you know. And so the early church fathers, when I say early church fathers, if you, if you ever haven't studied church history, I'm talking about in the early days of Christianity. Uh, those men who, who God used to, to, to help interpret Scripture and set foundations and practices in the church that many of them we still follow today, all right? Uh, uh, they knew the need to focus people's minds in on preparation. As you look at the, as you celebrate the birth of Christ, there was a reason for his coming. And the reason was not to give gifts to other people. Amen. Christ came to bring salvation to a lost world. Amen. That was his reason for coming. And if you focus on his birth and you think about that, that God saw the need that saw that people needed salvation and God sent the Savior, then never take the focus away from the reason that we celebrate the season or the day. But the world has taken it away and the church has kind of like followed along. And so now rather than preparing ourselves spiritually, we prepare ourselves financially. People have Christmas savings clubs, you know, 
My family does this Christmas saving thing, you know. Uh, other people join Christmas savings clubs at work. You know, people, first part of the year, uh, uh, December, people start uh, pulling names. You know, we used to do that in school. Exchange, planning to exchange gifts, you know. And we start decorating our houses and decorating the trees, you know. And we ride through the town. You know, I, I like this time of the year. You know, I always say, it's the most... <laughs> I do, I do. I like, I like to see it. I mean, it's beautiful. But I understand that this is not the focus. Amen. And when we get out of focus, we never, we never experience the full impact of what the season is really all about. And so we raise from one generation to the other, we go further and farther away farther and farther away from the real purpose of this season. It is not the Christmas season, it is the Advent season that we focus on the spiritual preparation thinking about the coming of Jesus Christ. And for us, it's not the first coming. But for us, it's the second coming. And we don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know whether it's going to be at 12.50 or at 2 o'clock in the morning or next week. And, and for that matter, a lot of people just don't care because that's not where their focus is. And just think about this. If you never think of the fact that Jesus is coming at a day and an hour that we don't know, and even if he doesn't come back in the rapture, if he should call our names at a time when we're not expecting, how are we preparing? How are, we, how are you preparing to die? Just to, just to make it plain. How are you preparing to die? Oh, you got a life insurance policy. You know, you got a will. You know, you got all that. Some people have bought their burial plots, you know. They did all of these things. But spiritually... How are you preparing? Because after death, there's no more opportunity to repent. Well, maybe I should put it like this. How are you preparing to meet the Lord? When you stand before the Lord in judgment, how are you prepared? How are you prepared? No man knows the day or the hour. So if you die in your sins, unrepentant sins, if you die in your sins, and there is no more an opportunity to repent of sin, and you, you, you are dead for, for 50 years, you don't miss the second coming of the Lord. You understand? You don't miss it. Tell your neighbor you don't miss it. Because the dead have to rise. People have to stand in judgment because there is a final judgment. You know, that, that the church doesn't talk a whole lot about today, but we need to, we, and, and this is the purpose of the season. If Jesus is coming again in judgment, how are we prepared? How are we prepared? You know, I was thinking about this last night, and this morning I, I looked back over a message, and I started to change something because I said, well, this is not flowing right, but I think the Lord making, is making it flow. It's a terrible condition to be in 
to be sick and you don't know it. You know something is wrong, but you just don't know what. But you don't do anything about it. You continue on your way thinking that it's all going to work out somehow. Only to find out that because of your neglect, when the problem has been discovered, it's too late. How many of us know people who were like that? I know people who died, and if they had gone to the doctor earlier on, something could have been done. You know, you know, you know, they always say, you know, men don't like to go to the doctor, you know. We, we don't want to check up, you know. You know, because some people say, well, I, if, if I'm sick, I don't want to know, I don't want to know anything about it. Just let me die. You don't really mean that. Because you want to live as long as you're going to live. How many in here saying, let me die? I don't see any hands going up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, you think about that. You know, it's a terrible condition. It's a terrible condition. And people wait until it's too late. It's not that the warning signs were not there. It was that the warning signs were neglected. Think about it. Think about sicknesses that have been discovered in your body. Sometimes the doctors will discover things that you didn't know anything about, but at least you went to the doctor. Sometimes there are warning signs. You got shortness of breath. You, you can't climb stairs like you used to climb stairs. That's a warning sign. Am I right? You know, you, 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 you can't see, you can't hear. You know, lately I've been asking people, what did you say? <laughs> Would you repeat that again? That's a warning sign. Are you understanding me? So many times, it's not that the warning signs are not there. It's that we don't pay attention or we neglect or we think it's going to be all right. Or I can put this off until a later date. Well, it's the same way spiritually. You know, people know that there's something wrong in their lives. They know. They just don't know what maybe, but they know. But rather than seeking out wisdom and, and seeking out direction, they continue on the same downward path that they've been traveling on. The path of sin and degradation. Not listening to the warning signs. Not listening to scriptures. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that, that lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. But people don't listen. People won't listen. I, maybe I'm not talking, I'm, I'm talking to the choir today. Maybe it's the people who don't come to worship that don't listen. But many of us come to worship. And it's just an act of obedience, an act of obligation. Well, Bishop's going to be looking for me, so if I miss, he's going to call me and ask me a question. Or I got to sing in the choir this Sunday. Or I got to preach. It could be that. 
could be that. Obligation. Lord, have mercy. Yeah. And then death comes and catches people in their sins. That's a sad condition to be in. We used to say you don't want to go to hell through the church. What you mean? Basically, you shouldn't just join the church and think that that's the thing that's covering you, and then you come to church all these years and never have a real relationship with Jesus. Because church membership never saved anybody. It never saved anybody. The baptismal water does not have any miracle powers that it saves you when you go under the water. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that's worked out in an everyday life. Jesus is coming again. Could be tomorrow. I I have no idea. Could be next week. I have no idea. I cannot tell you when. You can go and find all of these authors who've done all of these calculations and said, he's coming at this particular time. But they're wrong. They're wrong. Because Jesus says, no man knows the day nor the hour. Yeah. So we shouldn't be caught unprepared. Okay? And the purpose of this teaching, the purpose of, and when you read this section of Scripture, go back and, and, and don't just read uh, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44, but just go back, go all the way back to chapter 13, and then, then read up and read beyond. Jesus is talking about preparation. Read the epistles. It talks about preparation. Read Revelation. It talks about preparation because the, the, the Savior, the Lord, he's coming back again. And we want to be ready when he comes. Amen. Okay. Yeah. And, and so in chapter 24, verse 3, Jesus starts specifically talking about his coming and the period of the great tribulation. I'm not going into all of that this morning. Amen. You can read it and we can talk about it later on. Amen. But he talks about this period of tribulation that's coming. Then he says in verse number 36, he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as it was in the days of Noah, the people were distracted by doing what they were doing. They were just living life. Somebody say living life. They were just living life. You know, just doing what they were doing, marrying and giving in marriage, you know, getting drunk at the parties, just just having a good time. Just living their lives, not paying attention. Not paying attention to the signs. And then the waters start falling. They thought Noah was crazy. You building an ark on dry ground. The Lord told me to build an ark out here. Most folk would think Bishop lost his mind. We don't live anywhere close to the ocean. And Lake Wiley's not big enough for that boat, he's, that ship he's building. Not paying any attention. But when Noah went in and the waters kept falling and the, the waters started rising and the people went knocking on the door, it was too late. Too late. I like the song that says, the doors done locked and the windows pinned down. God got the key and he gone. Y'all never heard that song. 
<laughs> Who built that ark? Yeah, we know it. Noah, Noah. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yeah. But it was the fact of it is, the point of it is, is that they waited too late. It's going to be the same day, same way in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. And that's what the Scripture is teaching us today. You can spend all of your time doing all this studying and calculating, but you will not figure it out. So if the Lord says, no man knows the day, nor and the hour when the Son of Man will come, he says here, and of that day and hour, no one knows, not even, not even the angels, only my Father in heaven. And Jesus said, I don't even know. Walking as a man on earth, I don't even know. So that's what he says then. Our focus should never be on when. Is this making any sense? You don't live your life thinking, is the Lord, is the day tomorrow? No, you live your life in preparation for whenever. So that if it's tomorrow, if it's next week, if it's five years down the road and you're still alive, or if you die while you're waiting, you are prepared. That's how we should live our lives. That's how we should live our lives. Amen. Many of the parables Jesus told, especially in this section, deal with being ready. Ask your neighbor. Neighbor, are you ready? How do you get ready? It's called a state of preparation, and that's what we're going to talk about. So how do we prepare? How do we prepare? In verse 42, Jesus says, uh, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch. He said, but if, but know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. He would have been prepared. If you know that a thief is coming to your house, you get ready for the thief. He would have been prepared. So how do we get prepared? That's the question for today. And I hope that this helps you out a whole lot. Well, one of the things you got to do is you got to pay attention. Pay attention. Notice something here. This whole section Jesus is teaching. Simple. Real simple. He's teaching. He's teaching. When you go to class and the teacher is teaching, what do you do? You pay attention. What else do you do? You do what? You take notes. When we were building the church, uh, Deacon Hendricks said to me one day, and I was trying to remember something, he said, a short pencil is better than a long memory any day. You got that? You know what that means? Write it down. How many of you have thought of something, and it was a wonderful idea, but you didn't write it down, you said, I'll remember it. And all of this other stuff comes your way. And when you think about it again, now, what was that? Oh, Lord, I forgot. There have been times the Lord wake me up over in, in the night, and I'm too lazy to get up. I don't know if anybody else have experienced that. I said, Lord, that's a wonderful idea. <laughs> but I got to find an ink pen. I got to find a notepad. 
and you stay, I'll remember it when I get up. And I get up and it's gone. So when the teacher is teaching, he's teaching here. Okay, And if you're really going to learn, all of us know who've been in any school, if you're going to learn something, you don't just sit and listen. You have to take notes. And once you take the notes, what you got to do? You got to go home and you got to study those notes. If you're going to know the material. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching. One of the gifts of, of, of the fivefold ministry is the gift of teaching. But how many people just sit and listen and never take a note? How many people study and don't write notes down? But we want to learn. Then we get back in class and bishops start asking questions and people start trying to pull answers out of the sky. And then people have the nerve to say, I'm going to just put this out here. People have the nerve to say that I don't come to Bible study because I don't understand how you teach. Now, 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 where in the world did that come from but the devil? Because especially in Bible study, all you got to do is say, Bishop, I don't understand what you explain. People won't come to Sunday school. Because they say people are teaching over their heads. Let me tell you something. If you are in a doctoral program, why do you want somebody teaching on a BA level? Y'all got that? Did you get it? You want somebody who knows more than you know. And you want someone who's going to challenge you in your thinking so that you go and do some research and learn. I tell you. People just make all kinds of excuses to keep from coming. That's all it is. That's all it is. You know, people don't want to learn. So these people are sitting under Jesus' teaching. Now, if you have come to Bible study, then you know something about these folk that were sitting under Jesus' teaching from Matthew chapter 13. You know that some of them saw the miracles. The scribes and the Pharisees who knew the law, and they saw the miracles, and yet they were still asking the Lord for a sign. Because they didn't believe and they wouldn't receive his teaching. They didn't want it. They'd already rejected him. And then you understand the meaning of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But since you don't come to Bible study, you know, ask the question, then you still got the old understanding. And I don't have time to give you the new one right now, so let me go on and finish preaching. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There's so much to learn when you sit and you listen, and you pay attention, and you take notes, and you study. Jesus is teaching. And if I am going to be prepared for the second coming of the Lord, I cannot neglect the teaching. I need to know what I'm looking for. I need to know what the Lord expects. Am I preaching too long? All right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're, are, you, are you with me? Yes. Praise the Lord. I better look at my watch now since Elder Stowe was looking at his watch. I'm going to put my watch up here. <laughs> I'll be finished in a few minutes. It's just, it's just habit. It's just habit. 
Oh, we'll deal with that later. Amen. Amen. You're with me. I got to pay attention to the teaching. And paying attention to the teaching means more than just listening. I got to make some notes. There are some things that the Lord says that I need to pay particular attention to. And I got to go back and study this. So in Psalm chapter 25, or not Psalm chapter, I'm sorry, Psalm 25, it says something to us that speaks to the preparation uh, of the coming of the Lord. And in 25, verses 4 and 5, the psalmist says, Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and for you I wait all the day long. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Lord, I need to know what you have to say. I need to know your truth. So God, teach me. I don't want to be in ignorance. I don't want to be in, 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 in spiritual darkness. Lord, teach me. We're going to be prepared for the second coming of the Lord. We need God's teaching. There are things you know, but do you know what the scriptures say? Are you, are you following me? Yeah. So, so our focus in this time of waiting is always on God, what is, what is it that you have to say? God, what is your will for my life? God, what is the direction that my life should be going? In? God, what should I be believing? What should I be, what, what should I be, what is the truth, Lord? I hear all of this stuff out here in the world. I watch television. I listen to music. You know, I, I, I talk to my friends. But God, what is, what is the truth? Somebody wrote me the other day and said that somebody said something about something and asked me, well, Pastor, what does the Bible say? You know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody to ask me, Pastor, what does the Bible say? Don't ask me what my opinion is, but ask me, what does the Bible say? Because people are coming up with all kinds of stuff these days. Churches are coming up with all kinds of things these days. People who come to the sanctuary and sit under the teaching, somehow or another they leave with, 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 you know, the pastor's teaching here, and they're way out there, three left fields away. You're like, where did this come from? I wish I could remember the question that he asked me, and I'll show you the question, but, but it was totally off base. Oh, I know the question that he asked me. He said, since the Bible doesn't say much about Jesus' life as a teenager or young adult, then we don't know what he did in his life as a teenager or a young adult. And maybe he sinned. Thank you. How do you know that's wrong? Because he knew no sin. He knew no sin. So even though the Bible does not lay out what Jesus did when he was a teenager or a young adult, one thing we know is that he did not sin. Are you understanding me? All kinds of things are coming up because people are looking for a way out. 
People are looking for a license to sin. So if, if Jesus sinned, then I can sin too. No, 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 no. That does not make him the sufficient sacrifice for our sin. He knew no sin. So God, I need to know your truth. I need to know your truth. I don't need to just hear something on the radio. I don't need to hear something flying through the air. I don't need to hear what my friends are saying about it. God, I need to be sitting under an anointed, a well-trained, a well-knowledgeable man or woman of God who will, un- who will open up the scriptures to me. You hearing me, saints? So that I will be prepared there are folk that are not prepared. They're coming to church every Sunday. They ain't prepared. Whew. Secondly. Yeah. If we're going to be prepared for a second coming, not only do we need to be learning and growing in knowledge and understanding, but a natural consequence, a natural result of our discovering God's truth is that we learn them and we increase in those things that he has told us to increase in. So, you know, if you look at, at um, I think it's 1 Thessalonians, yeah, chapter 3, verses 12 through chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about, the Bible says, Paul says to the church of Thessalonica that, um, that they are to increase in loving the brother or loving for all and to be blameless in holiness. Now, when you read through the epistle, it lays out a lot of things that the church should be doing, okay? Just to live in a way that God will be pleased. Somebody say that God will be pleased. Say it again. So who, who are we to please? Flesh. Husband. Wife. Boss. President of the United States. Do we understand that? That God will be pleased. Increase in those things that will please God. Why is love for the brethren so important? Loving one another, love. Jesus said, if you have love for one another, then all, by this all men will what? No. Thank you that you're my disciples. I don't like to ask those questions, what? Because sometimes people don't know the answer. They don't know where you're going. But, so since I started it off, you could finish it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's important. Love is so critical. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So once, I, uh, once the love of God has been poured out in my being by the Holy Ghost, in my spirit, in my heart, in my will, in my emotion by the Holy Spirit, then I'm able to love you and I'm able to love all people. Because it's through my love that I'm going to share the gospel. If I don't love you, I'm not going to share the gospel. I'll say it again. If I don't love you, I'm not going to share the gospel. Now, you translate that to the people you're not sharing the gospel with. You got family members you say you love, and you don't tell them about Jesus. You don't preach the gospel about Jesus. But you say you love them. But then he said, increase in holiness. What does God say? God says, be holy, for I am holy. Oh, wow. Be holy, for I am holy. 2 Corinthians 71 says, 
Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if I'm going to be ready when Jesus comes, holiness has to be my aim. Holiness has to be my focus. Holiness has to be the way I'm living my life. I have to rid myself. I can't rid you. But if you yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you rid yourself. There are things the Holy Ghost is going to do. There are some things you need to do. Amen. There's some stuff you need to throw away. Filthiness of the flesh. You might need to come off of Facebook and all these other places. Filthiness of the flesh. Might be some videos and movies you need to throw away or stop going to certain places. Filthiness of the flesh. Might need to clean out your cabinets. Clean out your drawers. Go do a total house cleaning. Filthiness of the flesh. You know, we think one sin is worse than the other. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if I'm going to be ready, there's some stuff I need to do as I learn the teaching. I don't want to just learn God's truth and not put it into practice. I need to put his Put his truth into practice. I'm I'm almost done. Almost done. Lastly, we just got to do the work. Do the work of ministry. So this is not just about me living so I can get to heaven. All right? Once I, once, I'm loving the brother because, brethren, because, because when the love of God is in me, it's pushing me to evangelize. It's pushing me to do good to people. You know, the spirit of God is working in me Uh, so that the life of Christ might be lived out in my life. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I see a person who went from place to place and confronted the, 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 the powers of darkness that the kingdom of God might be established. So it is my responsibility if I am to prepare for the Lord's coming, not just to learn the truth and practice it in my life, but to spread this gospel message. And you shall be and you shall be witnesses unto me in all of York, in all of York County, in all of Gastonia and Gaston County, in all of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, wherever you live, you shall be witnesses unto me throughout South and North Carolina, throughout the United States of America, and throughout the world, you shall be witnesses unto me. You Now personalize that. I am to be a witness of the Lord. I am. I have a responsibility. Share this gospel message. And guess what? The more I engage in my responsibility, the stronger I become in the Lord. I can't preach to you without preaching to me. I can't tell you what the Lord says without me hearing what the Lord says. So all All along the way, I am being strengthened by the same word that I'm giving out. I'm being strengthened by that same word. 
By the same love that I'm imparting to you, I am being strengthened by that same love. And I'm being prepared. God is preparing me. And I'm doing my part to prepare myself for the coming of the Lord. Let's stand.